Welcome to the Recent Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches, featuring inspiring new devotionals and forums given each week on BYU campus. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. Thank you for being here today, wherever you are listening from. For a moment, flash back with me to the 1980s. As a young girl, it was a joyous time of jelly shoes, leg warmers, and perms. I listened to my favorite music on a cassette tapes and watched movies on VHS. I even talked to my friends behind a closed door on a phone tethered to an extra long cord that stretched all the way to our kitchen. It was not a time of selfies, cell phones, streaming, or social media. When my parents told me to follow the prophet, do you think they fathomed the day when I would interpret that to mean follow the prophet's social media account? (laughs) Throughout my life, I have found the more I follow the prophet and study his teachings, the more I come to know him. Have you ever realized the more time you spend observing celebrities, athletes, and social media stars, the more they begin to feel like friends? You Swifties know exactly what I'm talking about. You may have formed a tight bond with Taylor Swift, but sadly, she does not know you. One-sided relationships like these are common. It is the reason I did not hesitate to lay down some cash to snap a picture with my favorite childhood TV star, and then I was disappointed when she did not want to reminisce. Online networks have expanded the influencers in our lives, Now, at the tap of a screen, you can follow trendy online fashionistas who provide self-help tips as well as church leaders who inspire you to become better. Online influencers, by their very nature, inspire you, relate to you, and help you feel seen and heard. They are people you want to emulate. I asked a group of BYU students to think about the influencers who were positively impacting their life and the characteristics they exhibited. Among all the traits students identified, there was one trait mentioned more than any other. It was kindness. Those people who made a positive impact on students' lives personally showed them kindness or administered compassion to others. They were quick to show humility, empathy, forgiveness, meekness, and love. They listened without judgment and loved without boundaries. Their actions embodied the love of Christ. One student described an influencer in her life by saying, quote, she is someone I've been able to express my feelings to and feel heard and loved. We can laugh and cry together in a judgment-free environment. I feel valued when I'm around her, unquote. Influencers who make the biggest impact are heroes who step up to provide comfort when you need comfort. They find ways to help you mourn when you are mourning. They embody Christ's love. Children provide some of the best examples of how to administer Christ's love. After spending a long, hot day at an amusement park with my three nieces, ages 6, 10, and 11, my brother, husband, and I found ourselves in line for a much-anticipated water ride. As the kids were most excited about this ride, and we did not want to disappoint, we all hopped into the end of the line for what was projected to be a 90-minute wait. After 15 minutes attempting to keep ourselves and the kids entertained, it was clear we lost their attention, 
and they were bored. Instead of turning to complaining, the kids instinctively turned their attention to the other people in line. It did not take long for my three nieces to make friends with three teenagers who stood in line right in front of us. Soon, all six were laughing, talking, and joking together. Near the end of what turned into more than two hours standing in line, the kids never complained because they were focused on someone else. Without spending time talking with the teens, we would have never learned the woman accompanying them was not their mother. The teenagers were with their aunt who took the kids away for a weekend after their mother's funeral. All three teenagers were now learning what it was like to be orphans. Gratefully that day, three little girls in a long line at an amusement park showed me how to truly minister and uplift those people around me. How many people figuratively in line next to you have hands that hang down or feeble needs that need strengthening? You never know what hardships or difficulties others are experiencing, and you never know the impact your interactions will have on them. Turning your focus on other people can have a healing effect that helps lift burdens and mend broken hearts. But sometimes doing good requires taking taking off your headphones, putting down your smartphone, and interacting with a huge smile. Simple acts of judgment-free kindness rendered through the pure love of Christ have the power to part gray clouds and allow rays of sunshine to descend into our lives. During his earthly ministry, Jesus Christ called 12 apostles, whom he called his disciples. Specifically, while Simon Peter and his brother Andrew were fishing, he called to them, saying, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. After being called, each of the disciples actively chose to follow Jesus Christ throughout his ministry. They watched him perform numerous selfless acts, including calming the sea, casting out devils, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, and catching a multitude of fish where there did not seem to be any fish around. Despite witnessing Jesus compassionately love and serve others, these 12 apprentices still had much to learn. After three years near the end of his mortal ministry in what the world calls the Last Supper, Jesus taught his followers a valuable lesson. Prior to eating, he began washing their feet. This job was usually performed by the lowest level of servants. Peter, very uncomfortable at the idea of having Jesus scrub his dirty feet, says, thou shalt never wash my feet. The Lord replies, telling Peter that if he does not wash his feet, Peter will have no part with him. So Peter then says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Once the disciples' feet were cleansed, Jesus provided his next instruction, quote, if I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. He continues, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one to another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another, unquote. 
Jesus wants his disciples to reach out and inspire others, find ways to relate to others, and help others know they are loved. He wants his disciples to humble themselves and minister. But Peter's commitment was not as strong as he thought. He told Jesus he would never deny him. But before the next morning, Peter denied knowing Jesus three times. Our Father in heaven expects disciples of Jesus Christ to do more than metaphorically click on a follow button and proclaim casual interest in his son. Heart emojis, high fives, and hug gifts are kind gestures that have the potential to show we like Jesus Christ, but they are insufficient proclamations of our discipleship. These actions tell the world we follow Jesus Christ and subscribe to his ideas, beliefs, and teachings, but following the Savior and becoming a disciple is more than proclaiming love for him. It requires keeping his commandments and loving others as he loves them. After Jesus' death, resurrection, the apostles decided to go back to the Sea of Galilee to fish. Jesus surprises them by meeting them once again where he first called Peter. The Savior later asked Peter, Lovest thou me? Three times he repeats this question. Peter, most likely heartbroken, responded, Thou knowest that I love thee. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland just elaborates and describes what might have been the Savior's response to Peter and the other apostles at this moment in time. Then Peter, why are you here? Why are we back on this same shore by these same nets having this same conversation? Wasn't it obvious then and isn't it obvious now that if I want fish, I can get fish? <laughs> what I need, Peter, are disciples, and I need them forever. I need someone to feed my sheep and save my lambs. I need someone to preach my gospel and defend my faith. I need someone who loves me, truly, truly loves me and loves what our Father in heaven has commissioned me to do. Ours is not a feeble message. It is not a fleeting task. It is not hapless. It is not hopeless. It is not to be consigned to the ash heap of history. It is the work of Almighty God, and it is to change the world. So, Peter... For the second and presumably the last time, I am asking you to leave all this and to go and teach and testify. You labor and serve loyally until the day in which they will do to you exactly what they did to me. How many times do we go fishing when we should be serving? Peter's transformation was not a one-time event. It was a lifelong process. Beginning at the shores of Galilee, we see Peter be taught and molded into what the Lord needed him to become. 
Peter was the chief apostle of his day, and after the death, resurrection, and ascension of the Savior, it was Peter who called the church together and acted in the office of his calling as the one who possessed the keys of the priesthood. Are we not all apprentices learning to follow the master teacher? As his students, we need to carefully study his words and follow his example, and then gain valuable experiences applying his teachings. We need to love one another. President Russell M. Nelson taught, one of the easiest ways to identify a true follower of Jesus Christ is how compassionately that person treats other people. My paternal grandfather, Von Grunvig, was a great influence in my life. At 13 months old, his sweet grandparents began raising him because both of his parents tragically passed away. His father died in a snow avalanche, and his mother died when her car unexpectedly rolled through a fence and off a cliff. Vaughn grew up in a rural southern Utah community located about 16 miles from Price. At age 17, during World War II, he chose to join the United States Navy. During his military service, he regularly sent money home to help support his grandmother. As you might imagine, this selfless act was gratefully received, but the story does not end there. His grandmother decided not to use the money herself. Instead, she saved the money under a mattress for when Vaughn returned from the war. Later, after returning home, his grandmother, obviously eager and excited to give him the money, found it was missing. Someone stole the money. While I love a good happily ever after, the story does not end with recovering the money. Neither does it end with bitterness and regret. This story ends with a quiet, humble, obedient man who loved God and showed his love by forgiving and moving on. I can remember my grandfather saying he hoped someone was able to use the money for a good purpose. In his final General Conference address, Elder Robert D. Hells reminded us, as we earnestly strive to be true disciples of Jesus Christ, there will be no disparity between the kindness we show our enemies and the kindness we bestow on our friends. We will be as honest when no one is looking as when others are watching. We will be as devoted to God in the public square as we are in our private closet. Near the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, eggs were hard to come by, and my, so my husband and I decided it was time to get backyard chickens. During their first Utah winter, Alvin, our top chicken and spunkiest hen, who, yes, was named after a chipmunk, stopped eating and got deathly ill. To nurse her back to health, we brought her inside and started force-feeding her medicine from a syringe. After a couple weeks, she started to regain her strength, so we decided to let her outside for a few hours. As the other five hardy chickens eagerly ran to greet me, I sat Alvin down. Then, to my horror, one by one, Alvin aggressively pecked and attacked each of the other hens. Alvin, my smallest hen, barely well enough to walk, made sure the hens did not forget she was on top of the pecking order. As top chicken in my flock, Alvin feeds first, expects to get the best nesting box for laying eggs, and sleeps in the best spot on the perch at night. She has no problem pecking the other chickens and putting them in their place. Chickens love to feed together, preen together, and stay together. 
Despite their close-knit community, they are prone to bullying and harassing any chicken they deem as being weaker, different, injured, or new. But when it comes to God's children, there is no pecking order. One person does not stand above another. Comparing yourself to others and demeaning them does not increase your value or make you better. There is no joy in jealousy, no progression in putting others down, and no strength in backstabbing. It leads to low self-esteem, incorrect self-expectations, and wasted time and effort. Digital media has expanded our influence around the globe and in the process stripped away the moral inhibitions that should guide our behavior when we interact with children of God. How you express yourself and what you say to others and about others matters, even when you cannot see the other person on the other end of the screen. The very nature of digital media makes it all too easy to hide behind a screen and actively argue, complain, and poke fun at others. You do not have to look very far to see a lack of empathy accompanied by devious and manipulative behaviors online. Internet trolling, cyber stalking, and cyber bullying may be fun for the messenger, but it can be devastating for the person who receives the message. It is not okay to send threatening, offensive, intimidating, insulting, and hateful messages. In March of 1832, Joseph Smith, a prophet of the Restoration, was captured by an angry mob because he was preaching something new and different. His captors beat him and stripped him of his clothes. Then they scratched him and lathered his body with hot tar. Although tarring and feathering is not common practice today, the mob mentality associated with it has found its way online. As we see public mocking, shaming, and actions aimed at destroying the reputation of others. When the Pharisees and scribes brought forward a woman they found committing sin and suggested that she should be stoned, Jesus responded, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. His words were as true then as they are now. It is not our, respons our responsibility to expose what we believe to be the flaws and foibles of others. The morning after Joseph was tarred and feathered, he stood to meekly preach a sermon to mob, mobbers and members alike. Like Joseph Smith, we must follow Jesus Christ's example and learn to forgive. You cannot control what others say or do, but you can control what you say and how you react. Like our Father in heaven, our work and our glory should be for the salvation of all mankind. For we believe in being honest, true, chaste, benevolent, virtuous, and in doing good to all men. If there is anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report or praiseworthy, we seek after these things. Jesus, our Savior, was the epitome of kindness and compassion. He showed us you do not have to think the same or be the same to listen, learn, lift, and love. As you listen to others, you will find greater wisdom and you will develop deeper and stronger relationships. To get along, we must take the higher road. We must focus on building bridges of respect across the river that divides us. 
Research shows when we feel love and believe we matter, we have a greater sense of self-worth and a positive self-esteem. It improves our physical and physiological well-being, and we are happier. This is as true for humans as it is for rabbits. Researchers found when rabbits with an unhealthy lifestyle received an extra measure of love in the form of being held and lovingly talked to, the rabbits had a better health outcome than rabbits who were not given the same type of care. From the mouth of Jesus Christ himself to Peter and the apostles and then to Joseph Smith and prophets and apostles in our day, Jesus' disciples continue to admonish us to love one another. President Nelson has said, we are all connected very literally as family. Thus, we have a God-ordained responsibility to make life better for each other. We do not have to act alike or look alike to love each other. We can disagree on a matter without being disagreeable. If we have any hope of creating the goodwill and sense of humanity for which we all yearn, it must begin with each of us, one person and one interaction at a time. May we as sons and daughters of God, as eternal brothers and sisters, do all within our power to build up each other learn from each other, and demonstrate respect for all of God's children. May we link arms in love and brotherhood. As we implement the Savior's teachings, perhaps we should follow the example of Bertha Day, the great-grandmother of my graduate research assistant. She was known for saying, everybody ought to come into this world with the words, love me, and flashing lights across their forehead. It is all anybody ever wants. It is what we have in common. We have to remember the need is there, even if the words are not. Then we should act accordingly and follow the directions. In preparing for this speech, one of my students offered me some much needed courage. He said, be brave to say what is true and what you are still learning. His words give me strength because like you, I am still learning. But isn't that the point? The Lord takes us as we are and uses us to bless and influence the lives of his children. If you want to make a difference and create lasting change in this world, be kinder, cast fewer stones, and peck at each other less. Civilly stand up for what is right and then do what is right. Find ways to reach out and inspire others, relate to others, and help others feel valued. You may never know what results come from your action, but if you do nothing, there will be no result. I have never considered myself a runner or part of the running community, but as a BYU student, because of the influence of great friends who were avid runners, I started participating in 5K runs. During my first official 5K at BYU, I learned a valuable lesson. I covered a considerable distance during the race and realized my roommate, one of my dear friends, was still running by my side. She was a strong runner. Instead of taking off without me and taking and placing in the top five, she chose to stay with me until I crossed the finish line. That same day, my roommate's brother, who also happened to be one of my good friends and a runner on BYU's cross country team, decided to run the 5K course as well. I will never forget the love I felt as my roommate and I ran around BYU campus together and we were greeted by her brother, and we were greeted by her brother who, after finishing the course, turned around and returned to find us. 
You would think in a sea of 2,000 runners who were all aiming for the same destination, I would instinctively feel like a runner or part of the 5K community. But the reason I felt like I belonged is because my friends reached out and helped me feel like no matter my running ability or my pace, I mattered. Just being a member of a community does not mean each person feels like they belong. Each of us are running through life in a race that can feel lonely and difficult. What a blessing it is when others reach out and help us realize that no matter our weaknesses or personal failings, we belong. Speaking here at BYU, Sharon Eubake said, in the same way as the Savior, you yourself are one of the best gifts that you can give to other people in need. Do not underestimate the power you possess to make a difference. Just as the Lord called to Peter, he is calling us today and saying, come, follow me. Come, be my disciples. Today, more than ever, Jesus Christ needs you to come and hashtag follow him. He needs you to transform toxicity into tranquility and pandemonium into peace. He needs you to change the world one kind act at a time. Becoming a true disciple of Jesus Christ is a life-changing and a life-altering experience. As each of us are going through a transformative process of becoming, we need to forgive more and judge less. There are times when each of us can do better, when we can be kinder, more compassionate, and more forgiving. And when, like Peter, we do not get it right, he wants us to try again and keep following him. There are a variety of influencers vying for your attention. If you are seeking influencers who can give you guidance, follow Jesus Christ and his prophets. Jesus Christ is the most important influencer to have ever lived. He is the most important influencer you can subscribe to. The more you get to know Jesus Christ, the more you will learn you are not engaging in a one-sided fangirl or fanboy relationship. He knows you and he loves you. As you look to him, he will inspire you, relate to you, and help you feel seen and heard. And then he will accomplish his work through you. He will make you an influence for good. When you make Jesus Christ the greatest influencer in your life and truly follow him, you begin to act as he would act and love as he would love. You begin to see others as he sees them. May each of us heed his call and hashtag follow him is my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the recent speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts, including classic speeches taken from our vast audio library, as well as other BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith. Come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.